Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, a while ago we went through each of the different elements of our order of worship. We've seen that they're all part of this covenantal conversation with God during the Sunday worship service. And we saw what the, the votum implied, the expressing of our dependence to the Lord. Also the, the salutation or the greeting of the Lord, meaning that we can't worship without Him being present and without His greeting. We also saw the importance of hearing the law, God sent covenant, covenant words every week. And every week God speaks with us. And when He speaks, we answer with a psalm or, or a hymn, or with a prayer, or with our thanks offering. The only element that we did not cover so far in a sermon was the greeting at the end of the service. Either the blessing or benediction Paul often used at the end of his letters, of which we often we use the one from 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14, or the blessing as we have read it in our text this morning, the priestly blessing. And so this morning we would like to to hear the gospel concerning this blessing. For more than for the for thousands of years, since the time of Moses, these words of blessing has have be, have been spoken over God's people. And we as God's New Testament covenant people today need to hear this blessing too. Not only as we close off the worship service and leave this church building, it's also a blessing we need for the rest of every new week. And so I preach you the Word of God this morning under the theme, At the end of every church service, God's covenant people may leave and live under God's blessings. We'll first see the priestly hands giving the blessing. Second, the content of the blessing. And third, the effect of the blessing. At the end of every church service, God's covenant people may leave and live under God's blessing. First, the priestly hands giving this blessing. Beloved, what is the importance of the blessing at the end of the service? Because let's be honest. It's easy to hear those words mindlessly. Just as it's easy for the minister to speak them mindlessly. And sure, this could happen due to fatigue. But the truth is, nothing in our worship service should be done mindlessly. After all, it's God's presence we are standing or sitting in. The Holy God meets us in public worship. And so everything should be meaningful and thoughtful, also the benediction. Now the reason why this blessing is indispensable is the fact that we enter a new week 
We, so to speak, make a new start every time. You know, brothers and sisters, God always connects His blessing with the start of something new. At the beginning, when God created the world, He gave a blessing on several occasions over what He had created. First of all, or first over all kinds of, of animals. And then over man. We find that in Genesis 1, verse 22 and 28. Both times, God, God adds His blessing. Be fruitful and multiply. And so the waters and the earth had to be filled. And in that blessing, God expressed His, his good pleasure in what He had created. All the possibilities he had put in creation would only unfold under his word of blessing and well-being. And likewise, at the beginning of the second world, after the flood, the same commission and the same blessing was given to Noah and his sons. Genesis 9, verse 1 and 7. Also in what God started in Abram, he adds his blessing. Genesis 12, verse 2. And so when the Lord thus commanded Moses to instruct Aaron and his sons that they should, should bless Israel, it completely, completely fitted God's style. There too, we see a, a new beginning. Israel had been delivered from Egypt's slavery and would in due time be a special people living in their own land. And for this new and this ultimate purpose, Yahweh gives Aaron and his sons the appropriate words of blessing to lay on the people. They also had to, to mediate between God and the people. And the priests had to bring sacrifices for their sins. And it was their task to, to pray for the people, but also to bless the people. In Leviticus 9, we read about the priests beginning their ministry. Now Aaron brought various sacrifices to atone for the sins of Israel. And when he had done that, he turned towards the people, verse 22, and lifted his hands and he blessed them. So the blessing followed the sacrifices. First the sins of the people had to be covered and atoned for by animal's blood. But then the blessing of God could shower down upon his people. And this is not because of any weakness in God. It's the fault of man. Man put up the barriers. Man made the problem. Man sinned and put this wall between himself and God. But in his grace, God gave the way out. He gave the, the priestly sacrificial ministry. And once that sacrifice had been brought, once the blood has covered man's sin, the blessing would flow. Think of what we read about this in the New Testament. When the priest Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, was in a temple. And the people were waiting for him to come out of the holy place where he was bringing the incense offering. They were waiting for him to come out to bless them. And he couldn't, because he didn't believe God's word. But they were expecting that blessing. Now this Old Testament priestly service of Aaron 
and his descendants, as we know, has ceased with the coming of the great, the perfect, the, the final priest, Jesus Christ. He being of the priestly order of Melchizedek, who blessed Abraham. He is the true Melchizedek, the, the eternal priest. In him was fulfilled what was shadowed by the law. In congregation, his blessing, the blessing he gave, was the ultimate one. We read the last part of Luke. After he rose from the dead, the Lord met with his disciples. He spoke to them about the forgiving power of his sacrifice and, and the, on the cross. About how the sins of the nations were to be forgiven by his death on the cross. Now the gospel of the cross was to be proclaimed till the end of the earth. And then he, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And so we see, as the ultimate priest, Jesus Christ gave the ultimate blessing to his disciples. He had prayed for them, John 17. He has brought his sacrifice for sin. He had suffered and died for the forgiveness of sins. And in him the disciples and we are blessed by the Father, Ephesians 1 verse 2 and 3, to be rich in all heavenly goods. And every Sunday, this good news, this news of forgiveness by the blood of Christ is proclaimed. And then after we have heard and embraced the gospel... After, as John Calvin said, after the blood of Christ has once again been sprinkled upon us by the way of the preaching of the gospel salvation, then we are blessed. The blessing of our trying God is laid upon us. Only then we can live in peace. In Christ, the blessing strengthens us to continue on our journey towards the eternal promised land. And so as God's New Testament people, we need the blessing. We need the blessing as a reminder of the new beginning that was made in Christ. And so the blessing at the end of the service is then also the thrust in Christ with which we start a new week. God says, I put my name on you. My covenant name, which I have revealed, with which I have revealed myself to Moses at the burning bush, but also in my son Jesus Christ, I lay this on you at the new start of a new week. And that blessing counts for every day in that week that follows. Now great is this name. How great it is connected to the content of the blessing. As we see in our second point, the content of the blessing. Congregation, if you look at God's blessing there in our text, it consists of three lines. It's a wonderful symmetry, um, a balance in this blessing. 
And that comes out in several ways. The name of the Lord is mentioned in each line. Yahweh, the personal name of God. The Lord who was and who is and will be the eternal everlasting covenant God. Well, this also implies that expressing the blessing does not automatically result in what is what it guaranteed in it. For when the Lord proclaimed this name in Exodus 34, verse 5 to 7, he said, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So this, this blessing is not an automatic blessing. It doesn't help and happen every time. Because there always remains two parts in a covenant, as you know. This blessing needs to be received and must be received in faith, obedience, and gratitude. Only in faith the blessing unfolds in great perspectives. And this is also implied in the three double lines in the Ananite, the priestly blessing. These are the three rules, each consisting of two parts. The rules become longer and longer, which already indicates a kind of a climax. And the first part of each line is explained each time in the second. It's a very rich prayer, a, a, a blessing. Now let's, let's look at that first line, congregation. The, the Lord bless you and keep you. What does it say? Well, the, the Lord comes to his people with his blessing. And that entails that he will guard the life of his people. He seeks them out and he, and he speaks to them with kind and, and gentle words. And because he blesses them, they are well and they are safely kept. Israel was going to travel through the wilderness to the promised land. There would be many dangers, their own stubbornness, wild animals, enemy people attacking them. But despite this, the Lord who called them to himself would keep them. And the word keep means to, to exercise great care over them and to give great attention to them. That's the fruit of God's blessing. Our congregation, the Lord keeps us sinful people as well. He has come near to us through His Son, Emmanuel, and through the Spirit of Pentecost. And so it means that every Sunday we hear this blessing. We know that no hair shall fall from our heads without His will. And as Paul words it in Romans 8.28, All things will work together for good to those who love God, and to those who are called according to His purpose. He will look after you, after me, after us all. And think about the many times He has shown to us His love and His care since we heard the, heard the blessing last week Sunday. And so we can be confident that He will keep us 
as we travel onwards to the promised land through this life that can such be a wilderness, He will watch over us. He will make sure that we reach our destination safely. And then the second line, the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Well, beloved, most of us can tell what a person thinks about just looking at his face. Children, for example, if someone glares at you and at first he saw her brow and then frowns, you can be pretty sure that he and she is not happy with your behavior. But if you see a smile, you know he or she is happy with you, with your parents, your teachers, your grandparents. And so we all know that facial expression speaks volumes. And now listen what the Lord says. He says, His face shines at us. His face is not, not dark, not somber, not hidden in, in shadow. No, it shines. You know, for earthly king, Proverbs 16 verse 15 says, In the light of the king's face is life, and his favor is like a cloud of the latter rain. Well, if that, says, that is said about an earthly king... What about our heavenly king? God has all the right to remain in his holy anger because of our sins. And yet he chooses to forgive, to show grace, to have his face showing towards us in grace. Free grace that, of God that radiates towards us from the brilliant shining face of our God. And this is so true for us in Christ. For God punished His Son in our place. And therefore He will not destroy us in His righteous anger and wrath. We may receive His undeserved goodness and grace. His shining face towards us. And then, beloved, the blessing in our text deepens in the third line. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Now this seems like a repetition of the previous line, but it's not. Because this means that the Lord turns His face towards you. Not only do we enjoy the benefit of the shining face of God, even more, He looks directly at us like fathers and mothers looking carefully at their children. So God the Father looks at us. He wants to see us. He gives us His, his full attention. We don't have to pull His arm or yell to get His attention. No, He is always, has always His full attention for us. He turns towards us all the time. Congregation, the result of this peace is, well, the role of this is, is peace. That's the known Hebrew word shalom. Things are well. God has made things well. We broke the relationship with, by our sin, but God who blesses us and who showers us with His free grace in Christ Jesus, He restores the peace. Or as Jesus puts it in John fourteen twenty seven, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. 
Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You see the impact of the peace. And therefore, these three actions of God's blessing results in, in protection, pardon, and peace. They're the great works of our trying God. The Father protects us, the Son pardons us, and the Holy Spirit fills us with peace. Our God keeps us well and safe as we travel to the promised land, as we live in peace with Him in His grace. Now, congregation, this is, this is what, we, what has been and what is pronounced to you every Sunday. And these are powerful words. Not powerful in the sense of, of magical, but powerful in the sense that they are the words of God. They are powerful because God will do what these words say. He will bless you. He will keep you. He will make His face shine upon you. He will be gracious to you. He will turn His face towards you. He will give you peace. And all this we may hear with New Testament ears. It's the climax of our worship service. And it's very personal. It will strengthen and encourage each one of us. And I said each one of us because the word you is in the singular every time. All six times. And that means, first of all, that the blessing is for the whole congregation of God's people as a unit, as a body, as the body of Christ. But then also for each individual in the congregation. You may in your mind take out the word you and replace it with your personal name. Every Sunday, you, so to speak, stand next to the disciples on the mount looking up at the blessing hands of your a descended Messiah. And you know that his departure is, is not a final farewell. In his spirit he sends, he remains Emmanuel. He goes with you. With you personally. Just like he went with his disciples. Just like he went with Israel in the desert. Nothing of your daily activities escapes His attention. He knows what you experience. He knows what you feel and how you feel. What you think. What you say. What you do. What a comfort then to know that this blessing that we receive every Sunday is the royal power which protects you towards the eternal paradise. And now in our last point, we'll see the effect of the blessing. Although, congregation, we have spoken about it briefly, the effect of the, or the outcome of the blessing is that the name of God is put upon us. Verse 27. In blessing his people, the Old Testament priest put the name of the covenant Lord, the Lord Yahweh, upon them 
as they waited outside the sanctuary. And so the priest had to raise his hands to symbolize the flow of the blessing and the placing of God's name upon the people. Now Christ did the same. At his ascension, he not only raised his hands over the heads of his disciples to bless them for the special task, but he put God's name upon them. And in this, also upon the whole church. It is now clear that through him, through his sacrifice, we have become children of God. Though adopted children, we have become heirs of his kingdom. As adopted children, we've received the name of God the Father, his Son, and his Spirit. And not only once at our baptism, now, every week when the Lord blesses us at the end of the service, He again lays His name on us. That's why we carry the name covenant people. Or in New Testament terms, Christians. That's what, why the, what the year 9s and 10s, catechism students, have to learn for this week in Lord's Day 12... Why are you called a Christian? As a member of Christ by faith, you share in His anointing as prophet, priest, and king. And this is all due to the effect of the blessing on Sunday. God lays His name on His people for them to be Christians, to be His covenant people. And the name of Jesus Christ the minister raises his hands and puts the name of the everlasting God upon you, upon your heads. And so you leave this building bearing the name of God. You are now the people who wear the name of the Lord. And beloved, another effect is also the, the response to this blessing. This name put upon us, which the Holy Spirit places in our mouths. That's why we say, Amen. And it's not a quiet Amen. Who can be silent when, when hearing such a blessing? Therefore, from today onwards, we'll sing this with a clear, threefold Amen. We don't feel self conscious. Self-aware? No, we respond with Amen. For the sake of the Lord. For we know what He's doing in our lives. In His blessing. In congregation with this Amen, we not only echo what God has said. What God has said is, is absolutely true. No, with our Amen, we also indicate that we understand the blessing. And that we accept His name on us. And that we live accordingly. Will we not then in this week make sure we do not disgrace the name we bear upon our heads? That we not dishonor the name of God? How blessed we are to have God's name on our head. And congregation before... Before ending, I, I want to just make one more additional comment about the blessing. 
Because I've heard people say, and you've probably heard it too, that they don't get anything out of going to church on this or that Sunday or this or that worship service. I didn't get anything at all of going to church today. And a lot of time that, that has to do with the sermon. Reformed churches consider the sermon the center of the worship service. If the sermon fails to deliver, well, then some people view, view the whole service as a write-off. Now, while the preaching of the Word is, is important, it is central, the blessing that we receive, and particularly number six, reminds us that it is not the only thing. God's Word blesses us in our worship in more ways than just a sermon. Even if the ser- sermon would be a disaster, God's will is still there to bless us in several ways. Not the least of which is the blessing at the end of the worship service. The blessing is there. Even if you, if you can barely hear it, even if the minister has preached a lousy sermon, even if you develop Alzheimer's and you can't even remember your own name, let alone that what was just said in the sermon. God is here and every Sunday in a special way to graciously bless His people in Armadale. And this, this blessing is special. It's, it's a weekly gift from God. And we should treasure it. They are familiar words. But they are precious words that speak to us the gospel and the God who loves you, His people. And therefore, my beloved brother and sister, you do well to listen carefully to the blessing each time it is spoken. They are solemn words. They are climatic words. They are, they are good news. Hear these words in faith and trust that our Father will do as He promises. We can trust Him because we look to Christ and we know that God does what He says. Receiving the gospel flowing forth from these words. Indeed, let the name of God be upon you and know that God will bless you. Amen.